glory to Thank Jesus. Glory. Thank you. I keep hearing, you know, that, that words, God is up to something. <laughs> and it just keeps ministering to me. God is up to something. God is doing something on our behalf. So there is no need for us to be in worry because God is up to something. Yes. Yes. And guess what? It's not a mystery. When we walk in God, there is no mystery in what God is doing. because God is going to do what his word said he's going to do. Amen. Amen. So we may not think the way we should. Doesn't mean that God's not going to do what he said he's going to do. And we're going to get into a little bit of that today. You may be seated. Amen. My name is Minister Dury Foster, and I'm delighted to be here today to speak to you in Biblical Solutions for Life. Session number one, and uh, my assignment today here is to talk about the faith of God. Can we all say that? The faith of God. God. Now, if I were to do a poll and if I were to ask uh, people in the building here, do you have the faith of God? Uh, I believe most people would put their hand up and say, I have the faith of God. Amen. How many have the faith of God yeah. in the house? How is it working for you? All right. So people say, and I'm going to repeat what people have just said to me. It is working. Is it working 100% of the time? Is it working as the Bible said it should work? Now, we talk about faith, we talk about all of these things, and we have done it for years and years and years and years, and yet many times when we need faith to work for us, nothing happens. Now, does that mean that God himself has become faithless all of a sudden? Does that mean all of a sudden that what you said you believed is not true? Does that mean that perhaps you didn't ask God nicely? You didn't say it the right way? Minister Al was ministering this morning and he was talking about some of the things that I'm going to talk about today. But first, let us talk about what faith is. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews 11 and 1, if everyone can go there, Hebrews 11 and 1, and I'm going to be using that as sort of our title scripture, Hebrews 11 and 1, in Mark 5. So you can dog ear those scriptures, those those books in your Bible. Hebrews 11 and 1 reads as followed. I'm reading from the King James Version. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. Now, notice how the scripture starts off. It starts off by saying, now faith. In other words, it's in this very instant, it's not meant for a future tense. It's a present tense word, now faith. So off, right off the bat, we understand that faith is when it's right now. Faith is not something that's down the road. Faith is right 
now. We see that throughout the scriptures where faith, when it comes into manifestation, when it is spoken right, it happens instantaneously. You immediately come to faith. So if we are going to be faith walkers or people of God, we must first begin to change our way of thinking about faith and understand that faith is always right now. The Bible says now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, if you look at that in a different version, the Amplified Bible says now faith is the assurance the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as facts what cannot be experienced by the physical sense. In other words, faith believes what you are not able to see with your natural eye. Now, if I tell you to stand up, and I want you to stand on that bench that's right in front of you, most of you would look at me like I'm crazy. Why? Because you don't see a bench in front of you. You cannot see it with your human eyes. You can't comprehend it with your mind that the man of God is saying, stand up and step on the bench that is standing in front of you. Now, is it there or is it not there? This comes into how you believe. If you say, I believe I'm believing God for this and it has not manifested, you are believing something that you cannot see with your human eyes. We see a story of that when uh, uh, Gehazi, uh, uh, the aide to Elijah, and, and all the armies had encamped around them and, and, and Gehazi was scared. He said, oh, my goodness, look at all of these. There's thousands and thousands of people. And Elijah calmly said, there are more of us than there are of them. Now, in the physical sense, he could not see that. But then Elijah prayed and said, oh, God, open up his eyes so that he could see. And when he opened up his eyes, there were legions of angels, warrior angels standing there, and, and they were a mass. But even those that were there, the soldiers were there, did not see in the physical sense what they saw in the spiritual sense. So faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. That means that it must be a repetition of your mind, of your thought process to move you to the next level of faith. Now, I want to go back to this because uh, the Lord gave me this last week and I wrote it down. It says faith is support subordinating your humanistic will to the spiritual to your spiritual nature. Faith is subordinating your humanistic way of thinking. Meaning I've been conditioned to believe this way to believe what God says. That means I have to fight against my humanistic, my selfish will to walk into the place of faith. I have to resist the things that are common to me, that are even natural to me. See, it's natural to believe that if I don't see a chair there, that there's not a chair there. 
It's not natural to me to believe that God said there's a chair there, and if I sit in that chair that is there, that I'm going to be healed and delivered. Your natural mind has a hard time comprehending the things of God. But when you walk by faith, you're not concerned about what you see because you've already transitioned to another realm. So faith comes by hearing and repetition. Now, so we go back to what we started uh, this off with. How many people have the faith of God in the house? Now, you can raise your hand all day long. I've been in the church since I was a little boy, and I've heard the message preached about faith, 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 and all of this, and I have seen that many people who claim to have faith have zero. Now, doesn't mean they don't have faith. They're not exercising it. They're not using it because the Bible says every person is given what? A measure of faith. And that measure is sufficient to do everything you need to do. But what? Well, then why is there a problem? Because many times we never move from hoping to faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We get to the first step, and then we don't see it. We never really move into faith. And we go to wishing and begging and pleading God. Oh, God, if you do it, if you oh, God, do it. I know you will. I, uh, I believe you'll do it. Saying you believe it is not faith. Knowing he will do it is faith. Knowing that he will do it when you don't see it, when all the odds are against you, and that's all you speak. One thing you've heard in this house is we only speak what we want. Amen? We don't speak anything differently. When you go to the hospital, the doctor says, you know, I've got some bad news. You are dying you have terminal cancer and there is no hope. Now you have a choice at that very moment. You come in agreement with that word or you don't come in agreement with that word. You get to make a decision and this decision will determine the outcome. Now you think about being in such a terrible position of what it would feel like to be there. What's going to be pulling on you when you're there? All of the things, the natural things. Oh, my children, all of the things I have not finished. That's going to keep coming on you. Oh, I'm dying. That's what the enemy's going to bombard you with. But what are you going to, what are you going to rely on? I heard Dr. Baker say once that she went to the doctor. The doctor says something. She said, no, that ain't it. Sorry, that ain't it. No, I don't believe that. Nope. You think about it. This man has spent his life preparing to be a doctor. You don't get to be a doctor just overnight. He had to be smart when he went to school. When he was in high school, he had to be smart. 
When he went to college, he had to be smart. He had to go and pass through medical school and all the boards and the certifications that are required. And this man, in his professional opinion, has given uh, this person a verdict about what's going to outcome based on what he has seen in medicine. And now we have this woman that says, I don't believe any of that. In an instant, invalidated all of his training that he went through for all of those years and say, I don't believe that that ain't true. Now imagine how blown away somebody would be. Well, you don't have to believe it is true. Nope, it ain't true. It's a lie. Now think about how somebody, you have trained all of your life to do something and somebody has no knowledge of what you do come up and says, oh, that ain't going to work. You might be a little ticked off. You might be a little offended. But what happened was before the doctor gave a diagnosis, before the doctor said this was the situation, the mind had already been changed into the mind of faith. The mind had already been changed to say, I will not speak anything other than what I want to have the expected outcome to be. Does that mean that instantaneously the body is healed? Not necessarily. But the mind's already healed because the mind's already made the shift. Because the mind, had the, 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 she's already moved to the place of that I'm not just believing. I know it's true. I'm healed. I'm delivered and set free. Now, let's go to a, a scripture uh, that's popular or, you know, well known to all of us. Let's go to Mark 5. And I'm going to come back around to here to the question of how many of us really have the faith of God. Mark 5. And let's start at verse 24. Now, I'm going to read this uh, in two different versions for you uh, because I want you to get the understanding of it. Mark 5 and 11 in the, um, I believe this is the uh, New Living Translation. It reads this way. It says, Jesus went, excuse me, Jesus went, went, uh, Jesus went with him and all the people followed crowding around him. So if you, you know the story, Jesus had been somewhere else and he came to this place and all of these people, people were crowded around him. And it says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal with, from with doctors. Now doctors, she already been to the doctor and the doctor already told her some stuff. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had not gotten better. What did she do? She went to her humanistic side for a result. And in doing so, she spent all that she had, and yet her results had not changed. Now, I'm not telling you not to go to the doctor because you should go to the doctor. Before I got married, I was not real immune about, you know, I wasn't excited about spending a lot of time going to the doctor. But my wife has changed my mind about it, you know, in her way. 
And so I will go to the doctor now, even without her telling me to, if I think that I need to see a doctor. That's wisdom. Because faith is not foolish. But faith, but going to the doctor does not invalidate what I'm doing in the faith realm. Okay? So this woman had spent all the money that she had going to the doctors, trying to get a solution to her problem. Now, I'm going to read it now in the King James Version so that you get an understanding of it. And we're going to start at verse 24 again. And I want you to notice the difference in the wording because words mean something. And Jesus went with him and much people, people followed him and thronged him. Now, you didn't see that in the last version, the word thronged. What does that word mean? If you ever been to a concert that is standing room only, people are what? They're shoulder to shoulder. They're all together. They're pressed in together. That's the way they were when Jesus was there. He was like a rock star. They were all around him. If you ever been to a Michael Jackson concert, you just see those people. They're just all together. They're all over each other. They're sweaty and smelly and all next to each other. And they're moving and gyrating and all that kind of stuff. They're all thronged together. Now, I want you to understand this. Listen to this and listen to this well. The people that were there, they were there to see Jesus because they heard what he could do. Is that right? They weren't there just for photo op. They weren't just there because they'd have nothing else to do. They came to see Jesus because they heard about his reputation, reputation for being able to heal those people that were sick. So by the thousands, they were thronged. They were pressing into Jesus in the crowd there. But yet this one woman out of the thousands were there comes in and she's pushing her way through the crowd and, and she touches Jesus. Now think about this for a moment. There are already people around Jesus touching him. But this woman reaches out and she touches the hem of his garment. And immediately Jesus noticed something has happened. Now think about it. There are people all around you and somebody, where's the hem of your garment? It ain't up here. It ain't right here. It's, it, you know, it could be the garment of him right here. It might be at the end. If you look at the traditional wear, they had the long things that they wore. Uh, and, and perhaps it was uh, near his feet, his talit. She touched it, and Jesus asked the question, who touched me? Man, have you, are you looking around you? There's people on every side touching you. So what make her, made her different than him? Have you ever thought about it? What makes this woman so unique among the other people that were in the crowd? We can establish one thing, several things. Number one, they all were there for the same purpose. Correct? Now, some of them on the outskirts were looky-loos. You know how they are. He's, well, I just want to see what's going to happen. <laughs> right. I, I, I heard about it, but I don't know if I believe that. I'm, a, I'm just going to step by and see what's going on. 
There were others that, and these are the people that are thought, they had a deep desire for something from God. And so what did they want to do? They wanted to get as close as they can. If you've ever been to Japan and you ride on a subway, and it's not like riding on BART or the New York subway or the M line or here in San Jose, what's the line here? What, what's the, the, the one you drive there? The light rails, not like that. We're a little bit more sophisticated in some regards, we think. In Japan, the people are forced to capacity into a train car. And once they, it looks like it's already bursting at the seam, they have people that are hired and they're called pushers. And they come to push more people into the car. Now, all of you sophisticated uh, uh, first world people would be offended and, and cussing and fussing and everything else if somebody just going to cram a crowded place. You're already in there, you know, can barely move and breathe. And somebody comes in, perhaps a sumo type guy and pushes in more people in there. That's kind of how it was with Jesus. They were all thrown together, tightly together, almost like they were knitted together. And out of all of the people there, Jesus notices, he feels that he's been touched and immediately on touching the woman is healed. So what was different? Did those people that were around Jesus, why, why, why did he even feel them? The woman had faith. She wasn't believing she was going to be healed. If you read on in the scripture, it says, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things by physicians and had spent all she had and was nothing better, had nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, came in the, when she heard, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. And for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Not maybe, I shall be whole. And straight away, straight away, the fountain of her blur was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone from him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? All around him, people are touching him. But when this woman touched, something different happened because she was different. She didn't come in there, but I believe you can heal me. Uh, I believe, uh, you know, uh, I, I think if I just get over there, uh, some things are going to happen. I believe God's word. She didn't believe. Said, no, she said, I know. All I got to do, Alfred, is I've just got to touch his garment and I know I'm going to be healed. There was no if, ands, buts about it. I know if I 
touch his garment, I'm going to be healed. How many people come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and after Sunday and after Sunday, and they don't believe the gospel message that is preached, that what God's word said is true, and let every man be a liar. So we have a lot of faithless churches. Faith is in the building, but it's not put to work. The Bible says faith without works is what? It's dead. Doesn't mean you got to go out there like you work in a nine to five, working a job for faith. But what you do have to do is you have to do your part. And your part is getting rid of all of the stuff that keeps you from walking in true faith of God. It's easily said, not always easily done. Now, let's go on. And Jesus, Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his, his disciples said unto him, thou see the multitude thronging thee, and thou say, who touched me? They're like, what? What do you mean who touched you? There's people all around you. How are we supposed to know? Everybody's touching you that can get near you. And he looked around about to see her. Now, did he just see her? Because he didn't see her hand touch him. How did he see her? He saw her in the spirit. And he knew who had touched him. Seeing her that had done this thing, but the woman fearing and, tremble, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done to her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith has made thee hold. Go in peace and be hold of thy and behold of thy plague. When she came, she didn't came, she didn't come believing. She came knowing. She didn't come thinking, well, it worked for that person. It might not work for me. She came knowing that if I can get through the cloud, crowds of people, the throngs of people, if I could just touch his garment, I know I'm going to be healed. Now, I want you to think about that whole thing we just read and think of yourself. Think about what you and I have to press through sometimes to get to where we need to go. You've got to press through and press past those things, those distractions, the things that the enemy will put in your face, will put in your way so that you can move to the place where God wants you to be. That's your part. Not just saying, well, I believe God's going to heal me. Boom, I'm done. So as we look through the word, I, I wanted to look and I wanted to say, okay, well, how many times, you know, faith is an important subject. How many times is faith listed in the Bible? The word faith in the King James Version is listed 200 and 45 times. There must be something important to it. 
Conversely, faith, the word faith itself is only mentioned twice in the Old Testament. The New Testament, 245 times. Why would God put a word, an action word in his scriptures that many times if it did not have some level of importance? Our walk with God, everything we do is predicated on our faith in him. Everything we do. Now, here's one of the things that I want to mention before we get to some of the other things. Minister Al was talking this morning about the laws of faith. There are laws of faith, just as there are laws in the natural realm. Everyone's heard of the law of lift, the laws of gravity. Those things exist and they have uh, uh, different parts of them that are critical and they work together in unison. If you break any part of that, then something different happens. It is no different than our faith. There are laws of faith. And in order for faith to work, we must activate the laws of that. When we break it, then other things happen. If I told you, uh, you, you don't believe the laws of electricity, uh, 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 you don't believe that it works, I say, okay, wet your finger and go stick it in an electric socket, you will find out that it does indeed work as it intended to work. Because when you get lit up, you understand, wow, that's really what happens when you put something wet into an electrical socket. Wow, you're going to get lit up. The laws of faith are no different. There are principles in the word of God that lays out how we are to faith in God, how we are to believe in God, but it is up to us to do it. God's not going to do it for you. It's up to each of us to do it ourselves. We can pray and moan and do all of these things. That don't change anything. I heard, you know, as, as a kid growing up, and I'm sure you've heard it, they say, uh, 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 prayer, prayer changes things. Oh, my God. Prayer, prayer changes things. Is that true? If you ask people, say, do prayer change things? I'm going to tell you something that's going to shock some of you. Prayer doesn't change anything. Faith does. You can pray all day long. But if you ever come to faith, ain't nothing going to change. When I heard Dr. Baker say that a few years ago, it blew me away. Prayer don't change nothing. Faith does. I'm like, whoa, 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 stop. Back up, back up, back up, Dr. Baker. We may be getting in some uncharted territory here. Prayer don't change things. Faith does. What? You know how you get. You hear something that you think is just totally unbelievable. That they, she didn't really mean that. <laughs> That's not what she meant. And I was riding with her and Beverly Watkins, and I heard Beverly talk about how when she heard uh, the apostle mention that, it shook her up. 
Now, this woman, this is a powerful woman of God, a seer of God. And she said, prayer doesn't change things, faith does. And how it transformed even her way of thinking. Prayer is important to faith, but it's not the prayer that changes things, it's the faith that it does. Why do we pray? We pray to get us in the position, in the place, so that when we step forth in faith, we can do it without all of that other stuff around us that would keep us in unbelief. We pray, we pray in our natural language, we pray in the spirit, so we get ourselves in the place that when we come to the place of faith, we stand firm in that and believe what we say will happen, and it is so. So you've got to work yourself into the place of faith. And that means working yourself out of your humanistic way of thinking about things. So if you've been thinking about this all this time, I pray, I pray ain't nothing happened. It's because you ain't came to faith. Period. Because prayer doesn't change the situation faith does what does the bible says when you pray do what believe that you receive it doesn't say when you pray things are going to happen it says when you pray you have to first take the active process of believing that you receive what you pray for If you don't ever get to that point, you never come to faith. So to have the faith of God, you have to step outside of yourself and the way you've been programmed to believe and step into the way that God sees it. God doesn't see things the way we see them. And what God says, it will disturb your natural way of thinking and it's not normal. It's not normal to just say, if I, if I believe God, this is going to happen. When you don't see it, because we are people, we want to see the tangible. We want to touch it. We want to feel it. Well, faith says, I believe what I cannot see, but I know it is so already. There is a distinct difference between just saying, I believe I'm going to get it, and I know I'm going to get it. Change your way of thinking, change your mindset, change your faith life. I must tell you that I am not speaking this to you because I'm some expert, because I'm not. I'm simply reading God's word and hearing what he has spoken. We're listening to what's been spoken in this house. And I understand why we have people who don't get healed. When I was a little boy, I had asthma. And I was sick sometimes. And my grandmother, I remember laying in the bed, you know, wheezing. And my grandmother would walk into the room and she had a bottle of olive oil. And she'd rub down my chest. And she would pray the prayer of faith. 
Now, notice I didn't say she prayed the prayer of belief. Grandmother prayed the prayer of faith. And it wasn't even my faith. It was grandmother's faith. Because I would go to sleep, and when I woke up in the morning, I would be all well. Grandmother walked in there, never graduated from high school, but she believed what the word of God said, that if she would pray the prayer of faith, that God would heal. She didn't come in there weeping and crying and, oh, God. No, she walked in there in her authority as a child of God, laid hands on this boy's body, covered him in oil, prayed the prayer of faith. And when I woke up in the morning, my body was completely healed. She walked in dominion, authority, power. She may not even knew it, but she walked in a level of authority and power because she believed the word of God, not what somebody else said. She believed what she read in the word of God, that if you pray, pray the prayer of faith, that God will do it, not maybe. And that's why many of you, when you get into a situation and, and you need prayer, you don't run to some people. You'll run to a person that you know has a direct communication with God that can get a prayer through. Why? Because you know that per person walks in a level of faith. And it doesn't mean you can't do it. You just may not be there yet. So faith is important. So again, I asked, how many of you believe you have the faith of God? Because when you think about it, we say one thing often and many times something else different happens. Now, they say the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and over and expect a different result, right? So if you say you have faith of God and things are not happening, what should you do? Should you just keep doing what you've been doing over and over and over and over and you haven't seen the results? I believe and I submit to you, you need to change what you're doing because perhaps there's something what you are doing is not working. It doesn't have to be anything gigantic. It doesn't have to be anything that's earth changing that's causing there to be uh, 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 something that's got you off course. And no, God's not sitting up in heaven. I heard somebody say this. God's not sitting up in heaven. Well, he hadn't begged enough. He hadn't cried enough. He weep enough. He hadn't been sorrowful enough. He hadn't asked me enough to say, okay, I'm going to release this unto him. That's not what the word says. It says when you believe when you come to faith, you receive it. Now, let's go back to the scripture here. So he kept looking around, and obviously the woman came, and she was made whole. Now, if you go to the beginning of that scripture, of that verse, uh, it talks about, um, excuse me, uh, if you go to verse 21, it talks about Jesus had gotten in a boat and, you know, and, uh, um, a guy came by and basically said, hey, my, my daughter is dying. And he said, please come and lay your hands on her, heal her so she can live. 
Then Jesus went on, got into this crowd, so throngs of people, and this woman who had the faith of God, she said, all I got to do is touch him, and I'm going to be healed. What happened when she touched him? She was healed immediately. What's different about all the other people that were entronged around him? They had not come to faith yet. Doesn't mean that they didn't have a sincere petition for God. Not that they didn't believe that they could be healed. They had never come to the faith to receive what they needed to receive yet. But this woman, when she got to Jesus, she was ready. She was ready. Because in her mind, she had already made up her mind. Understand, she had already tested and tried everything in the natural realm. To the point where she had gotten rid of, given up all of her money to try to get an answer from the doctors. The doctors did not have the answer for her issue. But Jesus did. How many times have we tried everything that we think we should try? And we've done everything we think we should do. And we, 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 we say we believe God's word and nothing's happened. Perhaps we need to change or flip the script, as they say, and let's go back and take it from the beginning and find out what's going on. Because there's always an answer when things don't happen, as what God said. It's not that God's changed because he never changes. If things are not working out the way you or I think they should be working is not because God changed in 2021. The Bible says God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. He is not one that changes. He doesn't change because there's a different president. He doesn't change because the situation changed. He doesn't change because it's the modern age. God is the same he was in the day of Noah that he is today. There's no difference. So what that means that if God does not change and his word is the same, that means if I say I'm following his words and things are not happening, I need to go back to the word of God and find out what is wrong, what's not working, for, because things are not working the way they should be. It's in the word. And most of the time we will find out when things are not moving the way that we think they should be moving, or let me put it this way, according to what God's word says, it's not that the word doesn't work, it's that you don't work. You are not moving the way or doing what God says. There is a law. There are principles of the kingdom of God that we must abide by. And if we follow them, things work as they should. Now, understand they used to say in the church, God may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. It may not happen immediately when you think it should, but that doesn't mean your faith posture should change. If you come as this woman did, knowing that I'm going to be healed, she was going to be healed. Even if she didn't get instantly healed then. She knew she was going to be healed if she touched the garment. You never hear in here where she says, I know if I touch him, I'm going to be healed immediately. She said, I know if I touch him, I'm going to be healed. 
It may not happen when you want it to happen. It may not happen as quickly as you want it to happen. But what should not happen is you standing in faith, you should not change your posture in that. Don't look or read the situation based on what you see with your natural eyes because you're going to misread the situation. If you look at it through your eyes instead of looking at it through the eyes of the Lord, uh, uh, then you are going to definitely get a different response. You're going to see it differently. Again, if I'm, for example, I'm going to take Alfred and I'm going to try to look at things the way he see them. And I'm telling you, the way he sees things, many things, they are way different than the way I see them. And the way I see things are way different than the way he sees them. So the Bible didn't say, go look at your brother and see how your brother sees it. No, it didn't say that. We look at it the way God sees it. So when Gehazi could not see, the prophet prayed, and his eyes was opened so that he could see what the prophet already knew that there are more with us than are against us. When we look at our present situation and it looks like, oh God, the whole world is going to hell in a handbasket and we've been praying and we've been doing all of this and nothing is working out. How many of you feel that way sometimes? <laughs> I've had this conversation with my wife repeatedly. Well, you, you know, no, don't matter what you see. We stand on what God says. Yes. We stand on the word of God. That is the challenge that we face. Because we're so used to having this instant gratification. I got to see it for myself. It got to happen just as I thought it should happen. Well, let me tell you a little secret. It might not happen the way you think it's going to happen. It may not happen in the order you may. In fact, more than likely, it won't happen just like you think it's going to happen. Doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. It just may not come out the way you thought it should happen. How many of you have been in a situation where you believe God and you thought it was going to happen this way and it happened another way? Hello? You try to figure, exactly, most of the time, you try to think, okay, well, I pray and this is the way it's going to happen. Well, as they say, honey child, it didn't happen the way you thought it was supposed to happen, honey child. Understand, when God sets you up for, when he sets you up for what's going to happen, he's got a way of knowing how to do it the right way. Because he knows you. Oh, thank you <laughs> because again, when uh, listen, how I, I know I'm preaching to people that already know this. How many of you got you got you wanted God to do it this way? And you done laid it out, and it's the most beautiful presentation. Uh, I mean, it's laid out. Oh, it's perfect. Woo, Jesus! And the angels are singing. You got it laid out so. And then when the situation comes and happens, you're like, "That's it." <laughs> That's not how I envisioned it happening. More than one time. <laughs> yep. It's for those of you who are faithing for husbands or wives. Same thing. You know, you come, oh, I believe God. I believe this. I believe that. You got to look. Okay. He may not look like that. She may not look the way you think she's going to look. Doesn't mean that that's not the one for you. 
<laughs> I know you brothers say I want her. I want her with a Coke bottle shape. Oh, I want to. I want that brother to be six foot five, muscles everywhere. I want him to have his private plane. And then you get Sam down at Home Depot. <laughs> Woo, Jesus! You got Sam down at Home Depot. He got his. Uh, orange smock on, and he tried to talk sweet nothings to you. And you go, Lord, now, did, did you hear my prayer? <laughs> I said, Lord, I wanted this, and that's, that's him. What? <laughs> then you start praying in tongues and all of this kind of stuff. <laughs> exactly. That ain't God. Yeah. Because that other fellow ain't what you want. It's what you think you want. But God knows what's best for you. So the way you and I think things should happen, they don't always happen that way. I'm just telling it like it is. We can wave our It's the same with your faith. When a reality steps in, it's often different than the way you envisioned it. But what should not change is your belief in God. That must be the one principle of this whole thing that must be steadfast. And when you find yourself in a situation where you believe God for something and it is not happening when it says you must fight and work to keep your faith strong. Because if you don't, you move outside of the realm of faith. And nothing's going to happen as you intended it to be. So like the throngs of people around to get to that point, you have to many times press through. Like I said, I'll go back to what Dr. Baker said that blew my mind. Prayer doesn't change things. Faith does. Uh, it blew my mind when I first heard it. But the more I allowed it to marinate in my spirit, and God ministered to me, I understood exactly what the word meant. It didn't mean that I don't pray. It means that I pray, I get myself into a position where faith can work for me. Now, many people in the church, they are good about praying about faith, but not walking in faith. When we talk about moving in the supernatural things of God, that is a place of pure faith. It's not a place of fantasy. It's a place of pure faith. And you have to move in a different position than you did yesterday to move in that level of faith. And you have to pray and meditate before God and come to a place where all of the outside distractions don't matter. What people say don't matter. It's only what God says. When I look at the political situation, I'm concerned about it the way that many people are. Now, I had to get myself to that place because I wasn't there initially. I heard what this one said and what this one said and what this one said. I also paid attention to what was not said. And then I said, OK. And for a little while, I was kind of depressed I was kind of down, and then I came to myself. 
understand God is working on our behalf when we allow him to. Now, for me and you, we have to step outside of ourselves and step into God. And when we begin to see the way that God sees, we'll understand God's masterful plan. He said, well, I've been praying, and, and, and it may not be that your prayers uh, uh, did not get heeded, but there is a time and a season for everything. Sometimes you have to go through situations in order to help you to move forward and develop. As they say, it may not be good for you, but it's for your good. Sometimes you have to go through some stuff in life to create something different in you, to develop some things in you so you can move forward. And it's not because God's the best yourself through it. Why? Because you've made a decision to do things in this way and this route and move in this way and that while. And, and again, it, perhaps you should not have had to go through that, but it's good that you did. What you hear and what you've heard is the experience is what the best teacher. Because I can give you the benefit of my years of knowledge about something, or Nicole could give you the benefit of her knowledge about something, but until perhaps you experience it for yourself, you may not really understand. Parents do it all the time. They try to tell their kids uh, things to help them avoid pitfalls in life. And what does a kid do? He goes and do the total opposite because they think they know better. He said, well, that was in your day. In my day, this is how we get down. And then a year passes with them getting down their way. Then the next year passes with them getting down their way. And then all of a sudden, year three props up and all hell breaks loose. Why? Because they thought there was a different way. And there's nothing new under the sun. That's what the scripture says. You know, things may look different outside and all that, but ain't nothing new. And so this child of yours has had to deal with some stuff because they didn't have an ear to hear or to receive what they heard from the wisdom of their parent. Now, your job is not to be out there crying and moaning because they, uh, you know, they getting toe up out there. Now, you pray for them, but let them hit them things a little bit hard so that they learn a lesson from them. Because if they don't learn a lesson, you constantly bailing them out, they ain't going to never grow and mature. I stopped worrying about my son and my daughter. I don't worry about them. I put them in the hands of God, and I trust God with them. And I know that if I trust God with them, everything's going to be all right. They may stray, but they will not get away. I'm not sitting up at night, restless nights, wondering what they're doing. I don't care what they're doing. I sleep sound at night knowing that my children are in the hands of God. I have the faith to believe that God is going to protect him. And as my house and everyone associated with my house will be saved. And I don't think about nothing else. Oh, I worry about my children. I don't have the Job complex. Many people are told Job was a perfect and upright 
Man, Job was worried and stressed out about his children. Was he believing God going to take care of him? No. He was thinking, if I do all of this stuff, I do all this stuff, everything going to be all right. How many of you have been there? I do all this, everything going to be all right, and then things still don't turn out right. And now you got a worse position and a worse relationship than you had before. Why? Because you were meddling in somebody else's business, which was not yours. When your children reach the age of majority, there's not your business to be trying to micromanage their life. It's your job to place them in the hands of God. And in fact, you should have already did that when they were born. So when you try to think it's up to you to fix it, then that's when problems ensue. It's not my responsibility. It's God's responsibility. I give them to him. And I believe that everything is going to work out all right. I stand in faith, and I don't stand in worry. Faith and worry cannot work together. Faith and worry and stress cannot work together. They are incompatible. They just don't work together. You can't say, I'm standing in the faith of God, and you worried about everything that's happening. That ain't faith. You can't say, I put my children in the hands of God, and, and you see a shooting on TV in their neighborhood, and you just stressed out and worried about everything. You can't say, I have the faith of God, and, and, and every little thing that does not work out the way you think it does, it sends you into an emotional disaster. That ain't faith. Faith is when I'm going through even the toughest times, I yet stand on the word of God. If God said, you know, Lord said he was going to do this, and I believe it. Well, how can you say God's going to do it when all this other stuff is happening? Listen, God's got his time, and I'm just going to stand here and believe God. Other people may not understand it. Here's the key. It ain't up for them to understand. It ain't up to them to understand. And you don't answer to them. You answer to God. So because other people don't get it, don't mean it ain't true. Because people don't understand it, don't mean it don't work. Because other people think you're crazy, don't mean you are. You just keep on believing what God says. Amen? Amen. You keep on pressing in what God said. Amen? You keep on saying what God said. Amen? You only speak what you want to have happen. Amen? And you don't speak anything differently. Pastor Haji said, you say what God says. That's it. You say what God says. No matter what people, other people say, I say and do what God says. I say and do what the word of God says. And I see and speak nothing differently. Ooh, yeah. So when it comes to my physical body, I say what God says about me. I'm healed. I'm whole. Sickness and disease cannot live in my body. And I stand firm on that belief. 
When I speak over my finances, I speak what God says about my finances. And he didn't say I was broke. He didn't say I got to live paycheck to paycheck. Now, you may be living paycheck to paycheck for a season. That's OK. But you keep on saying what God's word says. You keep on declaring that over your life, no matter what's happened. And you give God the thanks, even when things don't look like they're going the way that you think they should be going. Keep on giving God praise and thanks because the Bible says, give God praise and thanks in what? All things. It ain't working out the way it should working. I'm praising God. Do you see your situation? I'm praising God. Now, we really get these principles and these laws together. I fervently believe that things in our lives will change. As, we, as I'm talking here, I'm looking at adjustments that I need to make in me for some things to change in my life. As I said before, I'm not this person that's coming up here and says, oh, I've, I've obtained all of this and I'm a master of this. No. Like you, I'm working it out. Hello? Like you, I have the same pressures that you get. Ain't no different because I stand up here. The same devil is coming after me, just coming after you. The same problems is coming after you, coming after me. The same kind of stinking thinking is there available to me if I want to receive it. That's why we constantly hear in this house about the mind changing the way you think. Making sure you don't allow all of this negativity in your spirit, man, because it'll mess you up. Hello? You allow all of this negativity in your space and you will start thinking that way. And you wonder why I can't get anything. Why can't I come to faith? Because your whole mind is full of junk that's not of God. And you need to change it and clear out all that clutter and clutter in your mind and fill it with the word of God. You've got to change it. It's like saying, okay, I got a house here and I got all of this stuff and everything's cluttered all up on top of each other. You got a couch and it's got stuff packed with stuff and all of this. And you wonder why things don't look good. <laughs> well, that's pretty simple. It's pretty simple, but you need to see it. You say, well, why things are not neat? Because you've allowed this stuff to accumulate in your house and in your mind. And that's why things are stacked on top of stuff. So what do you got to do? You got to do a house cleaning. Because beneath all those clothes and boxes, there's some furniture under there that you forgot was there. Underneath all of the clutter of your mind, there is things in there that you need to use for your faith walk, but you can't get to them because you got all this other clutter in your mind. So you got to sometimes do a thorough house cleaning, a spiritual house cleaning. Now, if you don't know how to do it, start in the natural, start cleaning your own house. Meditate on it. Pray. Start decluttering. Start changing the way you're doing things that you've always done. There are things in my life that, you know, my, my family did, my grandmother did. I often talk about grandmother. 
that I don't do because those things are not what God wants me to do and they don't push me in the level or to the place of faith that I need to be. Grandmother did what she knew to do, but I know some of these things a little differently now because I've sat in an apostolic house. When you have an opportunity to sit in a place where you can be taught and you can learn and you can receive the word of God, you should take that. It's almost like getting a PhD. If you get offered an opportunity to go get your PhD at a prestigious university and it's all paid for and you don't have to worry about nothing, you don't just throw that away. You take that opportunity because you have an opportunity to learn in an institution that has a reputation for developing people into leaders. When you come to the house of God, when you come to this apostolic house, you are getting a postgraduate course every year, uh, every day, every week on how to live by faith, how to trust God, how to depend upon God, how to do things the way that God says. And if we take this and we take it in its totality, then lives in this building will be changed and beyond. Now, I'll go back to another statement. I'll keep repeating some of these things because they're important. The definition of a what? Of sanity is what? To keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over, over and over and expect a different result. It's insanity to keep on doing the things that has kept you from moving into the things of God and think that God's going to change because he's not. He's not going to fix it or change it for you because you his little beautiful daughter. You, his handsome son, the principles are still the same. In my grandmother's house, my grandmother had rules and it didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter whose child you were. It didn't matter uh, any of that matter because that was grandmother's house and grandmother's rules were the only one that mattered. It didn't matter how you did it when you were at your house. At this house, this is the way it's done. You know, you go to some, I mean, I used to remember as a kid, I'd go to some kid's house and they were running all around the living room and I'm just cringing up like, God, dog, what's wrong with that boy? Don't you know you don't run in the living room? <laughs> Why? Because I've been conditioned to believe if you run in the living room, you might get a whooping. You go in the house and they got you at the sofa and, and, and kids just lounging up on the sofa like it's there. So like, oh, Jesus, what's going on here? We weren't allowed to sit in the living room on the sofa that was covered in plastic <laughs> or had sheets over it. Come on, somebody. Grandmother didn't change because you came from a house where you can sit in the living room and prop your feet up on the table. It doesn't matter who your mama and daddy was, grandmother would be on you in a hot second. The rules were the same no matter who you were or even how old you were. My grandmother didn't take the stuff off for the pastor to come and sit down in the living room. It was just a decoration piece. I don't even know why we had it in the house in the first place. 
You can't touch it. You can't sit on it. Don't even look at it too long. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I remember uh, uh, my pastor's wife, uh, and the, the woman, I mean, her house was always immaculate. And when you go in the house, you walk in the front door, she had this beautiful satee. I mean, it was beautiful. And it, the, the cushion was so pluff, plush and you wanted to sit on it. But Mama Newton said, no, no, no. Now, she didn't cover it up, but you didn't sit in that chair. Ever. Did she change the rules because I walked in the house and she used to call me her baby and love on me? No. <clears throat> the rules apply to me. It's the same thing in God. God doesn't change the rules for you. You ain't special. You don't get that privilege. So when God has rules, don't come thinking that you can change them to suit you. It ain't the way it works. That's not how it works. That's a perfect segue for the announcement about the fast this week. <laughs> you don't change for nobody. Okay. Uh, what she said is that for, um, no, I'm just talking right here. Liquid fast instructions for this week. Non-chewables, Monday through Friday. Got it? All day Monday, all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday, all day Thursday, all day Friday. Do not stay up until 12.01 Friday night. Okay. Saturday is, I, I believe we're coming to the end of it, but that was the first one. Secondly, mark your calendars, February the 20th. I'm going to announce these again, but for those that are listening, February the 20th is the prophetic training that will be here. That's Apostle Hall and Apostle Maritoni that will be here. And March 21st, this is new, which will be a Sunday as well. Uh, Apostle Eddie Miestis will be ministering here. They said, bring the sick, the halt, the lame. It will be a ma major healing service. Oh, and we wanted to let you guys know that. Amen. Oh, Praise my. God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Yes. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So as I wrap this up here, um, I did not get to the different parts of faith, but we'll do that another time um, because there is a lot more to faith. There's a lot more to it, but what you got to do is first get the elementary part of it first. If faith is not working on your behalf, it's not because God's not working. It's because you are not working. Hello? If things are not moving the way that you or I think they should be, it's not because God's forgotten you. There may be some things and some adjustments that you and I need to make in our lives so that we can walk in to the full manifestation that God has for us. There also is a matter of timing. Timing is important. I understand that we have all of these fabulous ideas and it's OK to dream. It's, go, it's OK to plan. That's good. But there is a matter of timing. There's a thing that says anything premature is problematic. Sometimes you're not at the place of maturity to, to do some of the things that God wants you to do, but it's not your timing yet. 
understand and know the difference. There are many ministers who have moved to different levels and they look like, boy, everything is going, gong, gangbusters for them. They've got 10,000 people at their church and they're ministering all over the world. Then one day you read in the paper that they've fallen. Why? Because they had moved into a place before they had reached a place of maturity. And you have to have a level of maturity, which causes correction, because remember, correction brings direction. Correction brings protection. You have to get to the point where you are seated in a place where you are submitted to authority. And when you're sitting in a place where you're submitted to authority, then many of the character flaws that you have will get addressed. You ain't going to like it. I'll say it again. You're not going to like it. And you're going to think it's not good for you. But it's for your good. Amen. Come on, give God praise in the house. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Father, we thank you today for this time to share your word and the wisdom and knowledge that you have left here in the earth realm for us. I pray that my brothers and sisters here in the building and those that are joining us from around the world will truly examine their faith walk and that they will really understand what it means to come to faith and have the faith of God. I pray that all uh, attacks from the enemy are bound and broken right now in the name of Jesus. That anything that would keep us from walking into the fullness of your glory, oh God, that we, oh God, arrested in the realm of the spirit and we send it away now in Jesus' name. We bind every work of darkness in the name of Jesus that would keep us from walking in your glory. And I pray that every person that hears this message today or even beyond, that it will change the way they walk. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God praise. And we'll see you in 15 minutes when we're going to reconvene for Biblical Solutions for Life, number two with uh, Minister Al and Pastor Lanzine. Amen.